Well, good morning. Good morning. If you still have your Bibles handy, would you all please turn with me to Exodus chapter 21, <coughs> verses 28 to 36. We're going to resume our series of study on the book of Exodus once again this morning. And so our main text comes from the 21st chapter of this marvelous book, chapter 21, verses 28 to 36. If an ox gore a man or a woman that they die, then the ox shall be surely stoned, and his flesh shall not be eaten. But the owner of the ox shall be quit. But if the ox were wont to push with his horn in time past, and it hath been testified to his owner, and he hath not kept him in, but that he hath killed a man or a woman, the ox shall be stoned, and his owner also shall be put to death. If there be laid on him a sum of money, then he shall give for the ransom of his life whatsoever is laid upon him. Whether he have gored a son or have gored a daughter, according to this judgment shall it be done unto him. If the ox shall push a manservant or a maidservant, he shall give unto their master thirty shekels of silver, and the ox shall be stoned. And if a man shall open a pit, or if a man shall dig a pit, and not cover it, and an ox or an ass fall therein, the owner of the pit shall make it good, and give money unto the owner of them, and the dead beast shall be his. And if one man's ox hurt another's that he die, then they shall sell the live ox, and divide the money of it, and the dead ox also they shall divide. Or if it be known that the ox hath used to push in time past, and his owner hath not kept him in, he shall surely pay ox for ox, and the dead shall be his own. May God grant us the wisdom to understand the text before us. But as always, let's bow for a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we thank thee so much for thy presence with us this morning and for thy word which we have in our hands today. And we're thankful that thou hast promised and kept thy promise to preserve every word of it intact, that heaven and earth shall pass away, but not one jot or tittle of thy word shall pass till all be fulfilled. And so, Father, this morning as we uh, study the 21st chapter of this wonderful book, Exodus, we pray that the Spirit of God will give us understanding as to why thou hadst declared all of these rules and regulations to thy people Israel, and how they also apply to us this morning. For we do ask it in our Savior's name as we give thee thanks for all these things. Amen. In our last message on the book of Exodus, we looked at quite some detail in Exodus 21, verses 
1 to 27. That portion of scripture primarily dealt with how Israel was to treat its slaves and the consequences of any abuses or mistreatments of those slaves. Since Israel had been in severe bondage in Egypt only a short time ago and had suffered severe and extreme abuses and mistreatment at the hands of their Egyptian taskmasters, the Lord therefore sets before them some humane standards of treatment for their slaves. Israel was not to take advantage of their brethren's misfortunes or poverty which led them into slavery. Masters who abused their servants would pay a just penalty. Furthermore, masters were to release their slaves in the seventh year. If they had become slaves as a family, then they were to be released as a family. But if the slave received the wife and consequently children during their servitude or his servitude, then only the husband would be set free in the seventh year. Nevertheless, he could choose to serve his master permanently and keep his family if he loved the master and his family more than he loved his freedom. We also saw that the death penalty was prescribed for murder, kidnapping, cursing of parents, and or causing physical injury to one's parents. In cases of men brawling and injuring accidentally an expectant mother, then a suitable punishment was to be meted out. An eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, hand for a hand, foot for a foot. Such punishment indicated that God would not tolerate careless rivalry amongst his people. He would aim to make his people civilized and respectful of life and limb. Finally, we come to the text before us this morning in Exodus 21, verses 28 to 36. Here we see God's view and judgments concerning reparations for injuries caused by domestic animals, in particular oxen. In verse 28, we read, If an ox gore a man or a woman that they die, then the ox shall be surely stoned, and his flesh shall not be eaten. But the owner of the ox shall be quit. Or in other words, he shall not be held accountable. For in this case, it was accidental. God, who is a God of justice, is also a God of mercy and of grace. He never punishes the innocent for crimes he did not commit, only the guilty. Also, we see that by not allowing the flesh of the dead animal to be eaten, no one is to profit from the crime. And though the owner was not guilty, he did nonetheless suffer financial loss. This presumably should cause him to be more vigilant concerning his cattle next time. 
But, and there's always a but, but if the ox were wont to push with his horn in time past, and it hath been testified to his owner, and he hath not kept him in, but that he hath killed a man or a woman, the ox shall be stoned, and his owner also <coughs> shall be put to death. There can be no leniency here for a heinous crime. Once a human life is taken, a life must be forfeited. Any owner of an ox who knew its dangerous temperament and did nothing to prevent it from injuring others was deemed guilty of that murder, both in God's eyes and in God's law. And therefore the owner was to be put to death. Now, though we only read about oxen here, these laws would still apply to other animals which could cause fatal injury. Though one has the right to own whatsoever creature may please him, he or she as an owner of that creature has no less a responsibility before God and the law to prevent it from injuring others. When owners suffer severe consequences for their carelessness, others may seek to be more careful. Yet herein is a lesson for us as Christians. It is the Creator's sole prerogative to set His own laws into motion for His creation, whether they be moral, physical, or religious. He who knows all things, and especially the desperately wicked heart of fallen man, who better than the Lord to put laws into motion that may be the right deterrent to evil? And yet the rebellious rarely ever obey the law, whether they be of God or of man. Nevertheless, since we all have been created, in the image and likeness of God Almighty, each life, each soul is precious in his sight, and he aims to preserve them. That is why his law of capital punishment was originally instituted in Genesis chapter 9, verses 5 to 6, and is still in effect today, we're told in Romans thirteen twenty four. In Genesis 9, 5, 6, we are told, And surely your blood of your lives will I require. At the hand of every beast will I require it. And at the hand of man, at the hand of every man's brother, will I require the life of man. Whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God made he man. And then in Romans chapter 13, 3 to 4, we are reminded that this law is still in effect today. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have the praise of the same. For he is a minister of God to thee for good. But 
If thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain, for he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Though today's governments may completely ignore all of God's laws concerning heinous crimes against humanity, we are warned by the Apostle Paul to not be deceived. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9, we read that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And then the Apostle John also warns us in Revelation 21, verse 8, But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Though governments constantly substitute their own laws for the laws of God, we are nevertheless reminded in Scripture that God sees everything, and in the end, He is the ultimate judge. Now going back to verse 30 in Exodus 21, there seems to be a reprieve on the owner's life. If there be laid on him a sum of money, then he shall give for the ransom of his life whatsoever is laid upon him. If there is a demand of payment to be made in place of his life, then the owner may redeem his life by making the full payment demanded of him. Thus it would seem to be a forerunner of a life insurance policy intended to support the remaining family members or a member. It would seem that the same law would apply also to whether the ox gored a son or a daughter. And if that ox which was prone to prior injuring people now injures a male or a female slave, verse 32, then it must be stoned and the owner must pay the slave's master 30 shekels of silver, presumably to cover the loss of wages and care for the slave's recovery. In the final four verses, verses 33 to 36, the law deals with injuries caused to cattle. God, who created both man and beast, cares about each one of their welfare and safety, and thus sets before men laws to protect them so that they, too, will not be neglected. In the first case, verses 33 to 34, if a man digs a pit and fails to cover it while it is unattended, and an ox or an ass shall unawares fall into it, then he must pay the just price to its owner, and then the dead beast shall be his. 
But in the last two verses, 35 to 36, we have the possibility of two animals, in this case oxen, physically embroiled in a battle. And if the one kills the other, then both owners will divide the flesh of the dead ox and sell the living one, dividing the money between them. However, if the owner of the surviving ox knew that his ox was prone to goring and did not keep it penned, penned in to prevent injury to other cattle, then the owner must pay ox for ox, and then the dead animal would be his. As we can see, God has given Israel a very detailed legal system. Almost every imaginable circumstance has been covered concerning Israel's culture. And as time progresses, God will introduce more laws, statutes, ordinances to cover every aspect of their society. At first glance, it may seem to us that there are too many laws, rules, and regulations which God had given Israel. But compared to the modern man's legal system, they are minuscule in comparison. Our legal attorneys to date have thousands of volumes of law books compared to God's precise one volume of law called the Bible. Let me conclude uh, with these final comments this morning. Fallen man cannot and will not have God ever reign over him. It is therefore no surprise he will not receive God's laws, for he cannot. Sin is his taskmaster, and until man is brought down to his knees, he will not see that he is a sinner and in need of a Savior. But God, who loves us all, is not willing that any should perish but that everyone should repent of their sins and come to Christ by faith. That is why he sent his only begotten Son to Calvary, to take upon himself the sins of the entire world and nail them to that cross. The just dying for the unjust, the innocent taking the place of the guilty, so that foul, a fallen man might be fully pardoned. Oh, dear friends, I trust that everyone here this morning has trusted Christ as their own sin bearer. But perhaps if you're not sure, those who may be listening by sermon audio, if you're not sure, I plead with you this morning while there is still yet time. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Acts 16.31 Let's pray. Father, we thank thee so much that thy love sent thine own begotten Son to the cross of Calvary to pay the penalty of our sins, 
sins that we could never have been redeemed from on our own, not by works, not by tears, not by joining a church, but by grace alone have we been saved through faith. And Father, we're thankful that there is only one Savior for all of mankind, that there is only absolutely one way into thy presence, and that is through thy Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, through his shed blood on the cross of Calvary. We're so thankful today that we have believed and trusted in thy word and in thy Son to save our souls. But Lord, we pray there are so many out there that are still lost and dying, that have been deceived by the wicked one to believe that there are many ways, that there are different ways of reaching God. We know that that is not true. We pray, Father, that thou would open the eyes of those who are truly seeking God. Show them. Show them the cross of Calvary and the one that paid for their sins and is still saving sinners this morning. We thank thee, Lord, for the wonderful message of salvation. Now we ask thee, Lord, to part us with thy blessings. Keep us from evil. And if the Lord be not come, may it please thee once again to bring us together around his table next Lord's Day. For we do always ask it in his name and for his glory.